All right, so like Paul mentioned, we're doing something really different today. This is going to be weird. Like I said, this could be the, 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 the best thing I've done. It could be the dumbest thing I've ever done, but I like to try things every once in a while, so that's what we're doing. Um, I'd like to start with a question. How many of you in this room struggle praying? Anybody here struggle praying? I see lots of hands. That's good, I guess, right? We're being honest here. I've noticed uh, in my time as a pastor, there's a lot of people that do struggle praying, not just in public. And why do you think a lot of times we struggle with praying in public? Let's be honest. Let's just pride. What, what else? I heard something else. Embarrassment, fear. Yeah. Do, do you ever feel like if you're going to pray in a, with a group, do you suddenly feel like you have to be really eloquent? Yeah. yeah. You know what? That you do not have to be. Okay? I love the passage today because what Jesus does here, his disciples came to him. And last week we were talking about Mary coming to Jesus and sitting at the disciples' feet. And so you know what we're going to do today? We're going to sit at the feet of Jesus because we have recorded for us their disciples saw Jesus praying. As you can see here, they saw him praying. They watched him pray. And then they went to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so I want you to know, when we look at this example prayer, and you're going to be so familiar with it, but when, I, when you look at it, I want you to hear it a different way today than you normally do. Just think of it this way. Here you have an opportunity to hear teacher Jesus saying, here's, here's what you do. And not at all in a condescending way, but in a very real way that says, hey guys, you can do this. Right? You can do this. You can pray. This is broken into, there's seven parts to this prayer. Uh, I've grouped the first two together, and I've also grouped uh, parts five and six together. And after, like Paul said, after each one, we're going to take a moment and possibly sing through part of this. And you might be wondering why I do that. Well, I think the reason for that could be apparent if you just consider for a moment the book of Psalms. How many of those Psalms are in and of themselves prayers? And I want you to know for, from my own personal experience as well, there's been many times where I didn't know what to say, but I found myself turning to song. Anybody else in here ever done that? Maybe through a deep, dark time, you started singing, Be Still My Soul, right? What a benefit that can be. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that today. So let's start with this first verse here. Yep. Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. And I think we all know this is not meaning quote this, but here's an example. And it starts off with this, Father. It starts with this address. How are we to address God when we pray, right? This is about who we are talking to. We take this for granted today that we call God Father, but it frames our entire attitude as we pray, God as our Father. In the Old Testament, this is actually not unheard of. God as the Father of Israel is a clear Old Testament image. Let me give you two examples. Isaiah 63, 16. Isaiah writes, For you are our Father, though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us. In other words, we've, we've strayed you O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from of old is your name. 
or Deuteronomy 32.6 going all the way back. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? What's interesting about these Old Testament references is when it talks about God as father, it's, it's more in the sense of father of Israel. It's not until the intertestament period you start to get people writing about God being their father personally or individually. But I'm telling you, what Jesus does here in this prayer is unheard of the extent of which he goes. In Matthew chapter 6, we get uh, another version of this prayer shared with us through Matthew's uh, gospel, where he says, Our Father in heaven. On Father's Day, today, by the way, happy Father's Day for, to all the fathers out there. Whether or not you had a good father can influence how you then pray to God as Father. Is that not the case? That's actually a very real thing. But I want you to know, it does not have to determine it ultimately. If you had a good father, then God as our father is even greater than that. Consider just a little bit later in Luke. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Now some of you might be going, that sounds exactly like something my dad would have done. <laughs> can I have a fish? Sure, here's a snake. <laughs> right? I mean, that, I, I can see some of the dads out here wanting to do that. But what's the point of this text is saying hey, a good father knows how to give good gifts. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's an important little side note there at the end. Even if you had a bad father, it can become to be even more clear what this Father God is like. It does not make it impossible to see God correctly. It might be challenging for you to do that, but the very concept and reality of a good Father who loves His Son is one that predates creation. Think about that. The Father-Son relationships that we see are a dull reflection because of sin of that true relationship that existed prior to any other relationship. God is our Father. This, I want you to know, starts this off, this idea of praying to God that this is an intimate, personal relation we have with God. Like you can go to a good father and say, Daddy, this is how God, this is how Christ establishes that we're to come. Right? Daddy, Daddy. Right? Uh, this is how we're to come. See? There you go. Illustration. Now the second of this, right? He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. So this hallowed, <laughs> so this hallowed is holy. It's usually translated, sanctify your name. Set your name apart. This is a declaration, Right? This is a declaration. This is not a request yet. It could be thought of as a request, but it's saying, set your name apart, O God. Matthew chapter 6, the same one, doesn't add any to, anything to it, but you think about holy, sanctify, your name is set apart. This is so important because we have this intimate relationship with our Father God, but it, we must also understand that He is altogether unlike us. He is creator. We are created. 
He is all-powerful. We are weak. He is altogether righteous. We are sinful. He is infinite. We are finite beings. We had a beginning. I think back now as we start to put those things together, and I'm getting ready to get you guys involved. Are you ready for it? Think of Psalm 23. This captures some of those ideas together. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, think about that. There's this intimate personal relation that you have with the shepherd, but he's still a shepherd in your sheep, right? Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, Isaiah 51, 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Now, you ready to get involved? Let's do this. How about this? I want you to think now in your own prayer, right? If you're thinking about how am I to pray, this is an opportunity. So that piece of paper I handed out, you'll see that first one. Father, hallowed be your name. What are some ways that you might refer to God? I gave you some examples, but let's, let's, let's pull out some more. Some of you might go, when I think of God, the, my father, I think of him as my creator. Yes. Mm. God, my creator. Anybody else? My king. He's my king. What else? What's that? Yeah, he, I, lo- I love that. He is my salvation. We've been talking about what salvation looks like in, in, in throughout the scriptures and how we think of these things, but he is my salvation. What else? My advocate. Now, see, some of you go, I have a hard time praying. You know what we're doing right now? We're doing it, right? When you say, my king, let's, let's think of that together. My king, you're my salvation. You're my God, the rock. What else? Come on, I need some more. My papa, daddy, Abba, father, right? We know those, those terms. Yeah. My deliverer. Oh, he is my deliverer. Yeah. My, provi- my provider, right? That shepherd is a provider, sustainer, giver of all good things. Do you, do you hear what's happening, what we're doing right now as we're saying these things? We're praying together to our Father God, who is the creator of all good things. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a moment. We're going to take a moment. We're going to take a pause here. We're going to sing a song that will help voice. Because I'm telling you right now, there's so often that I struggle with the words. And this is a great way to capture some of the things. You've got these people that God has gifted us as the church that have written some things out that you can sit there and go, yeah, that's what I was trying to think of saying, but I couldn't say it. Right? All right. Let's go do our first song. All right. This is weird, isn't it? We're doing this, but we've entered into this moment of praise the God, the creator of all things. I like how that song ended, when Christ shall come. This leads us right into the next statement that Jesus shares with us. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. This is another declaration statement. It's not 
a request, though it could be considered that way. Mostly it's an acknowledgement that he will bring that kingdom. He has brought the kingdom, has he not? He's bringing the kingdom. It's still happening. And eventually he will bring that kingdom in its fullness one day. Matthew 6.10 includes a little bit more. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't change the meaning at all. It just emphasizes that's what our thought is, that your kingdom, Lord, will come. We want it to be the way it is up there. We want it to be down here. Daryl Bach, one of the commentators I was reading on this, he wrote this. He said, God is holy, set apart from all others, and the kingdom's coming will show this to be true in a way that nothing else can. Some have thought this idea of the kingdom coming, we don't want to water it down too much. Yes, it's definitely, right now we're experiencing elements of the kingdom, but don't miss, and I'm going to use a, a big word here, don't miss the eschatological thrust. Now, for those of you who go, what is eschatological? That's talking about the end. As much as Christ's kingdom has come and he sits on the throne at the right hand of the Father, there's still a fullness that's still coming. Aren't you glad? Daryl Bach goes on to say this. He says, as Jesus' model prayer begins, God's greatness and the desire that he manifest himself, that he show himself through his kingdom program, set a tone of worship and awe as we pray. We're praying for his kingdom through this prayer. Having established God's character and authority, Jesus will turn to requests after this. Once we reflect on who God is, we can better approach him. But let me ask you some questions. Let's get involved again. In what way? So I'm going to ask three questions here. One way I'm going, to, I'm going to say, how have we seen God's kingdom come already? Second question I'm going to say is, how are we seeing God's kingdom still coming right now today? And the third is, what are you, I'm going to ask, this is, the, this is the easy one. What are you looking forward to the most when the, the fullness of his kingdom comes? So let's start at the beginning. How has God already established his kingdom that you, you've seen or experienced? I'm going to give you one to point you in the right direction. When Christ came and he died on that cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father. And so that has already happened. His kingdom has started and we are its citizens already. What are the ways, maybe personally, have you seen God's kingdom come. I'll give you a second example here to really help point you in the right direction. I, I've seen it in my own life because I'm telling you what, if I had been left to myself, well, number one, I wouldn't be here. I'd be given over to my depraved nature. But Christ's kingdom infiltrated this heart. I'm so glad that it did. So I've seen God's kingdom come already in myself, the beginnings of that. He saved me from me. How about you? What ways have you seen Christ's kingdom already come, that's already established, that you've seen in your life? Redemption? Church, yeah, what we're doing right here? An outward manifestation of God's people coming together? Redemption, I love that one as well, right? We've been redeemed. That's been paid for at the cross. The full payment was made. What else? Have you seen his kingdom already come?
What's that? I have to say, Paul is striking on one of my favorite topics. I love, I love when you study history, you see so often, not all the time, but so often you see men and women who started with this observation that there is a creator and he has given us these good things and began to look for the design because they, they started with that foundation. And we reap the benefits of that in our world today. Anybody else? What do you, you started to say something too, didn't you? Yeah, you can talk to me. Absolutely. Twice in my life. At that very lowest, darkest point, he was my peace. And that, that to me is his kingdom. Yeah, I love that. In fact, let's, let's think that direction for a minute. Have you in your own life seen those moments in time where you can look back just on your own history and go, God was there with me through that. He was there with me through that. What a great God we serve. All right, let's, let's shift a little bit. How, how is it coming today? How do we see it coming today? Some of you are going, I don't. Well, you're not looking right. His kingdom is still coming. We see this when you see, here's my first example. You see this when you see someone new that was lost and is now found. That is Christ's kingdom expanding in hearts. What are the ways that we see Christ's kingdom today? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You see that kingdom working out when you see people that, that start off, even, even in their first steps of Christianity and the first steps of faith, we see that spirit that was given as a seal guaranteeing our inheritance working through us. How many of us in here know that to be true, not just theologically, but practically? We go, man, the only reason why I'm where I'm at today is that is God working in me. Still. Saving me. I'm not just saved, I'm being saved. And I know I'm going to be saved, right? Same thing flows. What else do you see? Absolutely, that's a great one. There is still, despite all the evil, there's still a lot of good in this world. And that, you know what, that is a biblical concept. Every good thing, we call that common grace. Every good thing. When you have someone who doesn't know Jesus at all, does something beneficial for somebody else, that is ultimately, we can look and we say, thank you, God, for that. Shelby has a life growing in her. And it's exciting and it's for this hour. God is going to create this child. Absolutely. Oh. I, I love... I don't want to veer off, but Ashley and I were talking about this the other day, that quote I shared from C.S. Lewis, that it, could it be possible that every single time a flower blooms again, could it be possible that it's not just physical laws at work in that, but God, who C.S. Lewis says is younger than us and has not grown old, watches that happen and like a small child says again and again, 
Do it again. Do it again. Every time the sun, that sunrise, the sunset, do it again. That is elements of God's kingdom. But we all know this is all marred, isn't it? Tainted. What do you look forward to the most when the fullness of his kingdom comes? Oh, just the fullness of that rest. Like we have rest here, don't we? We we get that. We get the peace. Let's start thinking prayerfully as I'm as we're giving these last ones. Lord, I look forward to that rest one day. I'm weary. Anybody here have days where you just I'm weary. I'm worn out. I, I tire of what's going on out there. I tire of what's going on in here. Anybody else is like that? This is, it's like a jungle up here. It's all kinds of ridiculous thought and just wrestling day by day. And what a relief it will be when Christ's kingdom comes and we're given those brand new bodies with brand new brains. Holy, complete. Oh, man. Can we say it? Let your kingdom come, Lord. I long for that. Who, what else do you long for? Justice. Justice. Do you ever see in this world, this is going to be a ridiculous question, do you ever see injustice in this world? <laughs> when the judge of all enters into this realm and sets everything Right. Oh, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Do you ever feel torn with wanting the kingdom to come, but also recognizing the patience of our Lord and not coming yet? But yet with all those who are children of God from those earliest days, we can all say together, Lord, we trust your time. Let your kingdom come. Lord, please let your kingdom come. We've got another song for you. I want to encourage you with this one as you're thinking through the words of this one, hoping in what he has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. God, our Heavenly Father, is not a grumpy grandpa. A grumpy grandpa needs buttered up before you ask him for some money, doesn't he? That grumpy grandpa. God, is that is not our God. What we've done so far at these declarations and this, this acknowledging him as our father is not about buttering God up before you get to what you want to ask him for. In fact, let's say this. Number one, that's not how it works. Number two... If you've been operating that way, it's time to repent and say, okay, Lord, I've been looking at you all wrong. You, that is not who you are. God is our good heavenly Father who gives us all good things. And he does not need buttered up before we bring these things to him. The next portion of this prayer shifts into the requests. These things we've said before 
part of that is to set our minds straight as we come to him. Jesus says next, give us each day our daily bread. In Matthew's version, it says, give us this day our daily bread. doesn't make a difference. The point is clear. Whether it's each day or this day, we're coming to him for those daily needs. Now, after I was listening to the songs you had picked up this morning, I had to rearrange. So I'm going to skip ahead to some slides. I'm going to come back to those in just a minute. What is it that you need? Let me share a few things as we think about this before we think about what we want to ask God for today. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Matt, I'm anxious about everything. (laughs) Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let those requests be made known to God. This great Heavenly Father tells us, Come, ask. What sort of physical needs do you have? Let me give you some that I know are on our prayer list. Okay? For those of you that don't like intimate personal things, this is going to get awkward for you. Okay? Um, Lexi and Austin couldn't make it today. What a praise we had that Dawson came home right? We were praying this last couple weeks, Lord, be with him. I know that even now, we could be praying for them. And so let's do that. I'm going to pray for Lexi and Austin right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bring these, as Lord, as we've worked through these things, we're going to begin to bring some requests before you. First thing we have today is for Dawson. Lord, I know he's getting better, but Lord, we're hoping that he continues, his health continues to improve. Lord, we pray for strength for Austin and for Lexi, God, that they would be strengthened to continue that day-to-day just being a mom and a dad. Lord, get them through. What else do we have? Salvation. Mm. Can we pray for that? Who in here has someone, a family member, someone close to you that is either walked away or they've never come and you just almost daily, if not sometimes hourly, cry out to God to save him or her? Can you raise your hand? Like, how many? Okay, so I'm going to pray. This isn't in my notes, so this is another dumb idea, but we're going to try it. I'm going to pray right now, and when we get to the part where we're going to say that name, I want to encourage you to say the name out loud that you're praying for. All of you, and I know what you're thinking, but we're all going to be saying something different. It's going to sound confusing. What's amazing about that is, will God not hear every single one of those names uttered with perfect clarity? So I want to say, I want to say, Lord, we're going to pray now for some people that we love and care about, we, we long, long for their salvation. As much as I want your kingdom to come, Lord, I also think, not yet, not till they cry out to you. And so I'm going to say, Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come, but Lord, I would ask that before you do, you bring, and I'm going to pause when I say, when you bring, I want you to say their name, and then I'm going to say, to salvation. Let's pray that.
Lord, we long for your kingdom to come. But before you do, we hope and pray that you would bring to salvation. Lord, we ask this in the powerful name of Christ, that you would work in their hearts, that you would bring people into their lives that would bear witness to the truth. Lord, we commit this to you in Christ's name. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. I think of other health issues. Those are daily breads, aren't they? Some of us with our issues we struggle with health, it is a daily thing, is it not? Lord, help me to get out of bed today. Help me to make it through another day. Can I pray for those things for you right now? I know some specifics in the room. I know Lucinda's struggling, trying to heal. I know my father-in-law's got some health issues. Frustrating thing every day. Such an active, active person, it's frustrating. Lorraine, I know you're healing. I know Steve Danner's been crying out to God for a long time. Lord, bring me to the right doctor that can do something. I know there's others in this room. I know I'm going to leave somebody out. But let's pray for those things. Can we do that right now? Heavenly Father, I want to ask now for grace for Lucinda as she's healing. Lord, I pray that you would bring strength to her body. Let the healing process go quickly, efficiently. No complications. Lord, I pray for Lorraine as she's healing as well, God. Lord, I just ask that your powerful spirit would strengthen her to day by day, continue to trust in you even in these challenges. Lord, I pray for my father-in-law that you would grant him good days. Lord, as he cries out to you and depends on you every single day, Lord, I pray that you'd give him some good days. Lord, I pray that you'd be with Steve Danner as he looks for who's the right doctor that can point me in the right direction. Lord, we know ultimately you are the great physician. Lord, we know that ultimately with each one of these, if you spoke the word of healing, it would be instantaneous. And so, Lord, we also recognize, Lord, give us the grace and the patience to trust in you, not just for the healing, but in the meantime. In Christ's name. I think that this is one of the interesting parts about this, and now I'm going to go back. Psalm 23, 1, we know this. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now let's let these ideas permeate in. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 8 very well. God is able to make all grace abound to you so, having, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good Work. God has provided you with everything you need to live for him. That is guaranteed. And so our cry for daily bread sometimes says, Lord, if the greatest thing for your kingdom is for me to not have bread today, then so be it. We pray for bread, Lord, but we want your kingdom. It becomes a shift in our thinking as we start by laying these things out about who God is when we begin to bring these requests to God, our, as part of his kingdom, can adjust and shift and change. God has given us all, I mean, just that verse there. 
the next one, 2 Peter 1, 3, his divine power. That sounds big, doesn't it? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellent. You have been called to a great purpose and he has given you everything you need. Ask then, what does the prayer of one of his children sound like? Ought there not to be woven into these requests like our great big brother Jesus? Lord, if there's a way for me to not go to this cross, but Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, help me to see things rightly. And then this becomes all the more clear, doesn't it? Do not be anxious about anything. If he's already given this all that we need for life and godliness, if he's done all things to make everything sufficient for us to do, everything he's called us to do, what more could we need? But yet he still encourages us to come to him for daily bread. This next song, we're going to shift right into it right at this moment. I want to encourage you as we're going through this song, you may have to stop singing at different times and just say, Lord, what about this? Lord, I'm just laying this at your feet. Lord, I have this need that's been pressing on me. Lord, I have this stress of this thing here. I'm just going to lay this down before you. Can we do that together? Absolutely. This next part can trip us up. Sometimes we throw this at the beginning of our prayers because we feel like if I do this part first, maybe God will listen to me better. Let's repent of that thought process. Matthew 6, 12, he states it as debts instead of sins. Don't miss the hour. I didn't mention this earlier, but when I said, give us the state our daily bread. There's a community feel to this prayer when you get to these parts. In the last part, your need is my need. It's our need. When you're hurt, we're all hurt, and we cry out together for healing and for provision. But the same can be true about this. The community together, your sin is my sin. We've grown too individualistic in this culture. It leads us to, to switch around between churches too easily. There are times when it must happen, but there are times when it must not. God grant us the wisdom which is which, and when we should cry out together for our sins. Now, as good, comprehensive, knowledgeable Christians, this might give you pause, and you might think to yourself, well, aren't we already forgiven? Absolutely, that just makes it easier to pray this. And if you ever wonder in your mind, is that how I should do it? Yeah, that's how Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, forgive me of my debts. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. 
here's this one, here's this one. But this one includes a basis that I would say many of us are challenged to include. Forgive us our sins for, because, Lord, you should forgive us because, well, that's weird. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our debt as the same way we have also forgiven our debtors. I have one more commentary quote. Again, this Daryl Bach was very helpful for me this last week. He says, uh-oh, I lost control, Wesley. There we go. The connection between the request and the willingness to forgive shows an inherent recognition that what the disciple asks of God, one should be ready to do as well. As you call out for forgiveness of God, you are ready to do the exact same thing as his followers, his disciple. The request explanation shows that forgiveness is not presumed, but comes with an awareness. A forgiven person is to be a forgiving person. Two thoughts here. One, how might we have trouble recognizing forgiveness based on our forgiving? In other words, how might we have trouble? You ever have trouble? How could God forgive me? Sometimes there's a connection between how we see God's forgiveness and it might be rooted in how forgiving we are. But also, how might our forgiveness impact our ability to forgive. How might you, seeing your forgiveness correctly, might impact you to be more forgiving? This is a challenging one to do publicly, is it not? I've enlisted some help. There's a book called The Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers, and I would like to read through this because it gets very personal, but it gives us the ability to be a little bit uncomfortable, but not too uncomfortable. Although I might say, ought we to not strive to be a little bit more uncomfortable than we've been? Public confession of sin is a good thing. Let me read this prayer to you. By the way, one more thought here. Some have trouble reading someone else's prayer. I personally have found, well... Is the Psalms not a whole bunch of somebody else's prayers already? And sometimes I've found that when I have trouble coming up with the right words to say, delving into one of these prayers helps me voice. And I find at work in myself, whether it's reading the Psalms or reading some of these prayers, I find at work in me, sometimes as I begin praying these things, it automatically evolves into my own words sometimes. Pardon all my sins of this day, week, year, all the sins of my life, sins of early, middle, and advanced years, of omission and commission, of morose, peevish, and angry tempers, of lip, life, and walk, of hard-heartedness, unbelief, presumption, pride, of unfaithfulness to the souls of men, of want of bold decision in the cause of Christ, of deficiency or shortcoming in an outspoken zeal or energy for your glory, Lord, 
of bringing dishonor upon your name, of deception, injustice, untruthfulness in my dealings with others, of impurity in thought, word, and deed, of covetousness, which is idolatry, of substance unduly hoarded, improvidently squandered, not consecrated to the glory of you, Lord, the great giver. Sins in private and in the family, in study and recreation, in the busy haunts of men, in the study of the word and in the neglect of it, in prayer irreverently offered and sometimes coldly withheld, in time misspent, in yielding to Satan's wiles, in opening my heart to his temptations, in being unwatchful when I know him nigh, in quenching the Holy Spirit, sins against light and knowledge, against conscience and the restraints of thy spirit, against the law of eternal love, pardon all my sins, known and unknown, felt and unfelt, confessed and not confessed, remembered or forgotten. Good Lord, hear. And hearing, Lord, forgive. When we begin this next song, before you start singing, if you could play a couple rounds, I think this would be a great time to privately, before we start singing together, to begin confessing those things to the Lord. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness for this and for this and for this. to that final portion of our prayer this morning. I hope in some way this has been a group corporate prayer. We've prayed together today is what I'm hoping that you'll walk out of here thinking. We've come to you. We've laid our requests before you. We've acknowledged who you are. I hope as well as I get to this last portion that you won't walk away thinking anymore, I don't know how to pray. I can remember when my kids were small. I'm going to tell you right now. When they would do something for me, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I did not care. Say if they made a Father's Day card, which I want to point out, I haven't gotten one yet today. 
Oh, he, I'm just giving him a hard time. There's not, a, there's not a father that I know personally that looks at it and goes, well, this wasn't worded eloquently. In fact, my greatest enjoyments are many times from those ones when the kids are the youngest and the, the pictures that they draw and the, the way they misspell everything. How much more I think our Heavenly Father in your prayers does exactly the same thing. Some of us, when we begin our prayer and we're praying for, to our Heavenly Father, it's Lord God, creator of the universe, one who holds, I mean, and it just explodes into this picturesque speech. Some of us just simply say, Oh, Lord, my God, Father, that's all you can get out. We're going to close this last portion. There's one last piece that Jesus shares. It's one that used to give me pause in trying to understand because I would read it and think, lead us not into, like he would do that. Does that not, of all the things we go through and work through to pray, this is the one that you can easily say, I am 100% confident that you will answer this prayer. Matthew's version shares a little bit more, but deliver us from evil. I believe this is simply a, a general remark about not being given over to the power of sin. As part of his kingdom manifested here, as we cry out for forgiveness, we in turn then say, Lord, give us victory. Some of us, when we pray for this, might be praying for endurance under a trial. Right? Anybody going through trials? Come on, raise your hand. You going through a trial? Lord, give us endurance through that trial. It's an interesting word, that word temptation. So often in scriptures, you find that the word that's translated temptation is sometimes translated trial. I think one of the reasons for that is in each and every trial, can there not be an element of temptation? So maybe Jesus is saying here, as you're praying for this, it's let these things be what they are, trials to grow me and not temptations to sin. Lord, give me endurance. Some of us are, will pray for steadfastness in the face of temptation. Lord, help me be steadfast, solid, rock solid. Some of us will, in the, this coming year, in the next year, we may get to a place where our prayers will be, give us perseverance under persecution. Let us stick through it to the very end. Ultimately, we're praying, God, give us strength to bear up under all things. And so when we close this thought, it's, Lord, give us strength to continue. I didn't have a hand in picking out any of these songs except the last one. I asked Jeff to help me out. By the way, I just thank you guys for bearing with me through this playing 
Monday we had this music that was here, and this is one of the songs I did, and, and it, I, this is the one that stuck in my head that spawned this idea. And so this last song, to me, feels very victorious in Christ. And so we're going to sing this one, and when we're done, when he's done, I, you can just say it. You, you're dismissed. This is it. I'm hoping that this last song will be an encouragement to you as you walk out of here, as you pray. We've prayed together that you will be encouraged that you can, too, cry out to your Father and have confidence that He will hear you. So with this last song, I'm going to go ahead and have Jeff start it. With this last song, I want to encourage you. You've got to stand up for this one. Um, I would encourage you to sing through this with him. And as we end, I want you to march out victorious.